0: Some of my songs I have casually mentioned The fact that I like to drink beer This little song is more to the point Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears I like beer It makes me a jolly good fellow I like beer It helps me unwind and sometimes it makes me feel mellow. Makes it feel mellow. Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's June 7th, 2011. Our show tonight's titled Beer and Cheese. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's number 43, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host Ray Dieter from the DBA Bars. How are you, Ray?
1: I'm good, Jimmy. I'm really good. Looking forward to getting down to uh, Philadelphia tomorrow.
0: You know, for our listeners who can't see, I think, Ray, you got a really great haircut. <laughs> oh, thank you very much, Jimmy. Uh, but, this, is, you know, this is the friendly banter that we always talk <laughs> about, you know? <laughs> Just but, stay on your
1: side of the microphone, okay?
0: <laughs> it's off the back of your neck now. <laughs> All right. And Sam Merritt's here, our, our beer sommelier, on the Beer Sessions Radio. How are you doing, Sam? Excellent, excellent. Good. Well, Beer Sessions Radio is sponsored by GreatBrewers.com. Check out GreatBrewers.com to increase your beer IQ. Take the Great Beer Test 100 or 20, which I've taken. Have you ever taken the Great Beer Test?
2: Many times. Many,
0: many. times. And Sam, I think you wrote it, didn't I you? did write
2: that test. You wrote it, so. <laughs> but, uh, I've taken it a few times, and I've never gotten a 100%, so <laughs> I take that test every day of my life. You know what's awesome about Sam?
0: <laughs> Sam is on our show tonight, and... Um, this is a pretty cool show because we have some neat things we haven't touched on yet. Beer and cheese pairing. And we're also going to talk a little bit about Philly Beer Week. Uh, is Tom Peters on the air? Tom from uh, Monk's Hello, Cafe.
3: How you do, How you doing today? Hey, Tom. Hi, Tom. Uh, Tom. How are you? I'm doing grand, thank you.
1: Mr. Peters.
3: What's up, Ray? How you well, doing? Man? I'm doing
1: good, man. I'm looking forward to having some uh, dinner with you tomorrow night with uh, Wendy and Don Feinberg. Oh,
3: uh, yeah. I love those guys. Can't yeah. wait to see you.
1: Yeah, they, They've been on the show a few times.
3: So,
0: Tom, what are your uh, favorite parts of uh, Philly Craft Beer Week this year?
3: Uh, the beer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's uh, you know so many things going on. I think there's over 500 uh, events this year. Uh, so I've been sort of focused on what I'm doing at Monk's Cafe. Uh, we, we had Tommy Arthur from uh, Los Abbey Inn on Sunday, and we had six really cool beers like uh, Duck Duck Goose and the Framboise and Cuvée de Tommy, that type of thing. And uh, Then we had Sierra Nevada come in, and they brought a beer that I helped make at Beer Camp last year that we served, a porter with a, a tad of smoked malt.
1: Whoa, whoa, Tom, and, Tom, Tom, what, what's Beer Camp?
3: Oh, Beer Camp. <laughs> what's that? I think about everyone that? should go to Beer Camp. It's a, a thing that uh, Sierra Nevada does for people in the industry right now, but I, we're considering doing it to the public. And you just go and hang out and brew beer at Sierra Nevada Brewery in Chico, California. And it's pretty darn cool, i got to tell you.
1: Oh, well, that sounds great. That sounds great.
3: Yeah. Sam, you know, have you been year, out there? We, we sat over to uh, Russian River and had Vinny sour the beer for us. So it's a sou- <laughs> sour That's something you
2: can't it. drive around and do on the East Coast is have Vinny sour things for There's, you. He's got, <laughs> he's got like a tube of Britamias
1: and he just pours into it for you.
3: Yeah, right. <laughs> we sent it over there. We shipped it over and uh, he put it in some Dumal Pinot Noir barrels and added, it, you know, his PDO and Lapto and Brett. He did all so those they things and modified d- so CR- the beer.
1: Does Sierra do that all year long or is it like one special time when they do it? They
3: they did a, uh, they do a beer camp all year long, but uh, you know, I was at one beer camp. I'm sure I'm not allowed back after our you know, rowdy behavior. From <laughs>
1: and I, and I could, I, I know exactly why you wouldn't be allowed back, and I know exactly why I wouldn't want to go without you, Tom. <laughs> so, so who else is going to be in, in Philadelphia for Philly Beer Week? Any other uh, luminaries? I think I read someplace that Michelle Obama is going to be down there.
3: <laughs> yeah, The Beer Summit. Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> I, 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 I haven't seen Michelle or uh, Barack, but. Uh, I'm sure, I know he's a beer drinker, so I hope he's a good beer drinker.
1: Exactly yeah, But right. we
3: had, I have a dinner this evening with uh, Vinny and Natalie from Russian River Brewery, and we're doing an eight-course beer with uh, eight draft beers. They're shun beers, uh, you know, erudition, uh, redemption, <laughs> the defenestration, redemption, et temptation, etc. Defenestration.
1: <laughs> I love that. You know, Tom, I've been to your place... Bunch of times, and uh, I've been to numerous beer events and you know, with Michael Jackson and, and yeah. ama- amazing people over the years. And I gotta say, the only thing that matches the quality of the beer and the, is the quality of the food at your place, it's amazing. Thank you,
3: it's very kind of to say. Yeah, nah, we, we totally enjoy it.
1: It's 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 you know a lot of people say like a brew pub is a is you know a a restaurant that makes beer and but you guys got it right you you have all the best beers from around the world and you have some of the greatest food um, in Philadelphia that I've experienced and uh, oh thank you yeah we we take the food
3: seriously we have you know for the fifteen years we've been open we've uh, taken the food seriously fifteen years what yeah yeah, well it's over fourteen somewhere around there I don't know I've been busy drinking beer I don't keep track of it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> You tend right. to lose track of those things. Hey, you? Tom, a lot of times when when people talk about Philly Crapper Week, they talk about the star brewers who are coming from other places. But tell us about some of your favorite Philly area bre- brewers and breweries.
3: Well, uh, uh, my uh, go-to beer uh, in the summertime is Sly Fox Pilsner and a can. Uh, it's got a real good balance of uh, hops and malt, a little bit of biscuit from the malt, uh, just a it's just a real palate uh, cleanser. I mean, I love it. I love that, man. I love that it's beer. session beer. Yeah, and then you know, Victory does a Hop Devil. They do some classic beers, and then they also play arounds. And of course, Yards was the uh, you know the granddaddy of them all. And Tommy Kehoe uh, still makes just kick butt beer. It's amazing.
1: Also, um, <laughs> Carol Stout makes a great Pilsner too.
3: Uh, and I just ran into her last night. She uh, sauntered in. She and her daughter-in-law, Jody. Yeah, Carol, you know, she's an icon, and her beers are just dead on. Yeah, they're just, yeah, that, that, those are really good. They're my boss great, uh, and, and I love their double IPA. It's one of my favorite double IPAs.
1: Absolutely, and, and their American ale, American Pale Ale is amazing, too. Just, just really, really balanced and great refreshing beer for the summertime. Is Carol going to be down there tomorrow night for dinner?
3: Uh, she won't be joining us for dinner, but she'll be in Philadelphia. We'll, we'll track her down. We'll go on a hunt—a okay. Carol Stout hunt.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's not
1: hard to find her. She's
2: kind of glowing. It was fun to sell that beer and, and get the whole style thing confused with the name when it came to New York. You know, oh stouts, like, oh stouts? I have, I have pilsner you're, the, Stouts, pilsner, and that's not the—that's not a pilsner.
3: Stout pilsner. Is it a stout or is it a pilsner? Yeah, it's an oxymoron. <laughs> uh, that's like Jolly Pumpkin beer. Everybody will have a Pumpkin. Oh my beer, God!
1: What, that's the yeah, worst that's name for a part. beer in the world. It really is.
2: It's a
0: hard sell. Mm. So, yeah. Tom, how many places do you own? You seem like you have your hand in a, in a lot of the really great places in Philly.
3: Yeah, I, I have uh, partners in four uh, bars in Philly. One's a brew pub, uh, then three other bars, and then we have a I'm in, uh, involved with the beer bistro in Toronto, which uh, Brian Moore is just uh, uh cuisine out of beer shack beyond anybody you know Is that with He's Steve incredible
0: too? so what and let's just keep going cuz you know I, we've only i've only been to Philly once uh, tell us a little bit more what are the names of the places you're involved in in Philly cuz some of us are coming down this week we might, we might want to check them out
3: so is this a fair warning? We have to pay. You you see M- that
0: show? <laughs> that, <laughs> that movie
2: festival wait, wait, express.
0: When we go places where bar owners, we actually pay and tip. So yeah. <laughs> but tell I us think, what what are the names think, of your places? Cool. Don't be shy. Come on. Well,
3: course, Monk's Cafe right downtown at Sixteenth and Spruce. That's uh, my you know my one I have a crush on. You know, it's mm-hmm. one of the first one. Uh, we have Nottinghead Brew Pub a couple blocks away uh then uh up by the art museums uh we have the belgian cafe uh so it's a little spinoff on monks uh we only have about 200 beers there so it's not quite as deep a selection That's as monks it? yeah i know we're kind of slack in there Whatever. we'll have to step up our game <laughs> <laughs> Let's and then fresh we beer. have a little corner tavern at 23rd and south called grace tavern and it's a really cool Little neighborhood place.
1: That's a great That's place. Tom. I remember you brought me there when I was down there about a year ago, and we had a great time. And actually, I yeah, getting... we
3: walked over from the, the Penn Museum. Yes, we did.
1: Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, great stuff.
3: Great right. stuff.
0: Sam, do you have any favorite places in Philly? Yeah. What are your What are your favorite places? Monks,
2: monks, <laughs> monks? monks and the two uh, cheesesteak places, basically. What's <laughs> uh, it?
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: And then just Especially go you you know,
3: really good at four in the morning, but otherwise, they're yeah. just okay.
2: You know, I, I went to the craft brewers conference a few years back there when it, we had oh. it, and uh, and uh, sure enough, I was on one of those Amtrak trains the next day, completely hungover with cheese all over my jeans and just right. a, a great memories, you know. But
0: <laughs> you know, Tom, you know what's great about just meeting you on the phone? I've heard so much about you. You, you have like this godlike aura about you, <laughs> and you're really a, a regular guy. So it's it's kind of refreshing to talk to you.
2: Just, Wait till you I meet mean, him in person. Jimmy's going to kiss you.
0: <laughs> you know, you know, Tom.
1: I I got to tell you something. Whenever I go to Philadelphia, I've never had a Philly cheesesteak. i I've, I've never. It's nev- I just never had one. Is is, is there a I good place anywhere near uh, you?
3: John's John's makes the best one. Yeah, right, right off of Delaware Avenue, but he closes at three o'clock in the afternoon. Oh. And the other guys are open 24-7. So, well, go. Let's so go back, to, to, Tom. Sorry. <laughs> I said this before.
0: Somebody's going to join in with me. You've got a godlike aura. People talk about Monk's Cafe, the top ten places in the world, to have a beer from All About Beer magazine. Um, you know, you're a humble, regular guy. Uh, you know, what is it about you? Why, why do people think you have the one of the best beer places in the world?
3: Well, you know, like Ray, we... Uh we, you know, Ray and Dennis started DBA because they love beer. You can tell when you walk into a place. You can tell when somebody is in it because this is what they love to do, and that this is the beer they want to have access to, uh, as opposed to somebody who's doing it because they hear that's the new trend. You can get the vibe as soon as you walk in, and uh, you know people sense it, and people want to be where you know it's genuine. And we're, you know, the people that work at Monks have all been there like more than ten years, so. Uh, you know, we, we don't get any turnover. Everybody just hangs around. We treat them well. We we hire a masseuse twice a week to give them a massage, and uh, <laughs> and they make good money. And they you're setting a really bad standard there,
1: Tom. That's that's, that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> kind of rough.
0: And so What <laughs> did you go awesome. through when you opened up Monks? Uh, tell us a little bit what you had to go through. You know, uh, was that the, the original location? Did you expand it? You know, what what did you what was what has it been like for 15 years?
3: Uh, well, it's it's, it's amazing. Uh, I, I was running a bar about a block away uh, for for uh, the people I worked with for 11 years, and I had sort of turned that into a, from a Tex Mex eatery to a you know a really good beer bar that Michael Jackson would come in and visit. Uh, you know, we had about 80 really good beers and a couple of you know stinkers. Oh, I, uh, I remember that place. That, that, yeah, Coke, that was Coca too. too. Right. And then then I you know the. This building came available and uh, this space became available, so we—I just hopped on it right away. And I had my business plan. I, I had tested all the recipes. I was ready to hit the ground running. So we opened up with maybe a hundred beers and bottles. Now we have three hundred on the list. I probably have five hundred different bottles in the basement. Um, you know, it's, it's a pretty cool cellar. Yeah, uh, lots, lots of good vintage stuff. You know, like I have some lampings that are. Twenty-five, thirty years old. Wow, straight goose. And did it yeah.
0: ca- did it catch on right away in Philly? Was Philly ready for your your, your beer bar restaurant when it opened?
3: Yeah, we had a line out the door opening day, and it hasn't stopped. Uh, but we had set the, laid the groundwork for the last eleven years. Uh, you know, one block away. That's back in those days. You had a hand sell of beer. You showed them beer. You showed them the glassware. Described you know where where the beer came from. Uh, you know, it's an uh, Orval, you know, it's brewed in the Ardennes and this beautiful monastery. They only make one beer, that type of thing. Or this is, uh, you know, Yard's Philly Pale Ale. It's made in the garage and Maniunk, you know. So, you, know, you would hand sell each beer. And it was really difficult uh, at first. And, uh, now people are clamoring. You know, you have all these websites, Rape Beer and Beer Advocate. So, you know, people are somewhat educated when they walk in the door nowadays.
0: Ray, what are some of the uh, places you're going to visit tomorrow in Philly?
1: Well, I'm looking forward to having dinner with uh, with with Tom at the, at Monk's Cafe for with with uh, Don and Wendy Feinberg. Um, and where else am I going to go? Um, I'm going to probably pop over to uh, to to Notting Head and have a beer there. Are they are they doing the karaoke tomorrow night? Tom, do you know?
3: Uh, uh at uh, Fergies.
1: That Fergie? oh, uh, Fergies. Oh, uh, Fergies. Right.
3: Yeah, Fergie does the, uh, the, the 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 totally unnecessary drink. That's, uh, <laughs> that's the last day it's, of. Uh, it's always week. the wrong that drink,
1: isn't today. it?
3: <laughs> and that that's that's pretty funny. You get everybody that's been working their butt off standing there, you know, singing way off key. And it's, we, it's d- we discussed
1: pretty- this before, Tom. Like the, the, that's Sunday night. After dinner at Monk's, when at the, at the final night of of beer of Philly Beer Week, it's just ridiculous. It's like everybody's like just like knocking it out. It's great fun, and,
3: uh, <laughs> and everybody. have yeah, ends- you ever been to Philly? I mean, Philly is a uh, uh, has a really long deep, deep beer culture. You know, the first uh, lager was brewed in Philadelphia. The first lager in the United States was brewed in Philadelphia, and we just have you know kick-ass breweries and. Plus, like New York, we get access to all the great beers. But I think per capita, we have m- way many beer, b- better beer bars here, just because of the you know you guys are so spread out. Where uh, you go to every neighborhood in Philly, and there's a really good beer bar. Go to every little. Taverners good it's, beer, it's, and you go. It's, it's very impressive. You go to impressive. the top restaurants, and they have good beer. You know, you go to Vettery, and they have a real beer program. You know, not like just like a token beer. Right. So it's really cool. I think Philly's unique in that uh, respect. That the, and one of the that things that, that amazes me, Tom,
1: is, is that the museum gets involved in Beer Week too. Uh, that, that I've mentioned this on the program a few times. Um, the, the Philadelphia Museum of Art has a reception in their foyer. Is that isn't that right? Yeah. it's amazing. Was, it's beautiful.
3: They they do something every year, and of course, the University of Pennsylvania uh, Museum of Anthropology and Archaeology does something every year. Patrick
1: McGovern, yeah, uh, it's pretty cool, amazing. It's just amazing.
2: Sam, who is that? You said uh, Doctor Patrick McGovern. He's a biomolecular archaeologist that's uh, finding the oldest beer these days. He's doing the ancient ales with Sam from Dogfish and and all that. So he he runs a really important department there, right?
3: Right. Yeah, we just did a lunch with Sam and Patrick uh, today. Yeah, so we're so we're doing the ancient ales at um, we just did ancient ales at months and then tonight we're doubling down with uh, Russian River Brewing Company. So it's, uh, it's a, rough a rather week for you. day today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so where are you going on vacation next week? You getting out of town?
3: <laughs> I'm going to send my liver out for dry cleaning, then I'll be back to work. It's all yeah, about totally, the research. Philly yeah, totally Beer Week, if you've not experienced it, it's amazing. It's the, it's the original Beer Week. And I know the gentleman that was helping to set up the New York Beer Week, uh, I was chatting with him a few years ago at Mondial de you know, Beer up in Montreal. And, uh, you know, I was giving him, we didn't want to keep this a secret, so I gave him all the details I had. And, and then I know he. Found at the, the, your beer week the next year, so that's I very, thought that was
2: pretty. cool That's very beery of you. That's very you know collaborative, <laughs> as we say in the beer.
0: Well, that's why. That's why Tom is the, the god of the yeah. of uh, Philly beer. Scene.
1: <laughs> I think he's actually the devil of the I, Philly there beer. There you scene. go. I, I'll, I'll take claim to that
3: title. And I can, <laughs> I'll I, I, can,
1: I, can I can name names <laughs> and, sh- and cite, cite incidents too. Yeah, yeah.
3: Thank God, there's no video
0: back then. Tom, any any parting comments? Because we're going to take a short break. Anything you want to say um, well, to our yeah,
3: listeners? Uh, I, you guys got to come to Philly, man. It's, it's, you can walk to, from bar to bar to bar and, and just meet really cool people, uh, very educated consumer, incredible diversity of uh, beer. Uh, and, and it's, it's Yeah, you, you would have a great time. And stop by Monk to say hi. I'm there eh, maybe 60, 70 hours a week, so I'm there most of the time. So if you come in and ask if I'm there, I'd love to share a beer
0: with you. All right. Thanks so much, Tom. Thanks, Tom. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll talk with our guests about beer and cheese pairing. We'll be back in a moment on Beer Sessions Radio.
4: Complicate their minds by chasing after money and dreams that can't come true. I'm glad that we are different. We've better things to do. May others plan their future. I'm busy loving you. One, two, three, four. Sha la 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 la, live for today. Sha la 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 la, live for today. And don't me back tomorrow. We are never meant to worry The way that people do And I don't mean to hurry As long as I'm with you We'll take it nice and easy And use my simple plan You'll be my loving woman I'll be your loving man We'll take the most from living Have pleasure while we can both. Today, don't la la la, And don't worry, 'bout tomorrow. Hey, hey, hey. Ja, la 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 la, for today. baby, I need to feel you inside of me. Deep inside of me. Baby, please come close to me. I got to have you now, please. 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 Give, me some love. give me some love. Give me some love. Give me some love. Baby, give me some love. Give me some love.
0: Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We've had a really interesting talk with Tom Peters from Monk's Cafe in Philly, and uh, now we're back. We're going to have a little uh, first ever beer and cheese pairing on the radio here at a Heritage Radio Network. We've got Martin Johnson, who I have respected for many years. Uh, He's got a a program called The Joy of Cheese. He can often be found at DBA and other places. Uh, Martin, how are you? Well, I'm doing well. I'm happy to be here. So, what? Tell us a little bit about yourself.
5: Your website. How can people reach you? Sure. Um, the I have two different blogs that function as my website: thejoyofcheese.wordpress.com, where I have information about cheese and um, hopefully delivered in a humorous fashion, and then I have um, a schedule of public events that I conduct at thejoyofcheese.blogspot.com, and um, it's a list of events that I do, such as that one that's taking place tonight at uh over at DBA Brooklyn with Ray here. So you do that about once a month? Exactly.
0: DBA it's a beer and cheese pairing with Ray. I like to think of it as cheese and beer pairing. Cheese and that's beer. just me. Uh, I have I've, I've sat on quite a few of them I, I, and I love the cheese. I'll say that. Well, well I'd say if it was at, you know, if we were having
1: Cheese Sessions Radio, it would be a cheese and beer pairing. But since we're on Beer Sessions Radio,
5: we're calling it a beer and cheese pairing. <laughs> I've been working... uh I also Ray and I also uh uh, collaborate on classes at the 92nd Street Y sometimes, and uh, I've been twisting their arm for the last three years that you have a cheese person running the class. Can you stop calling it a wine and cheese class or a beer and cheese class? <laughs> Never works. Never works. They are always, uh, you know, the uh, beverage seems to come first. So,
0: Martin, how did you get into this? I mean, I, I've, um, I've seen you at of his Cheese Shop. You're kind of snooping around. You're the guy that seems to know a lot more about cheese than anyone I know. And you're in Trump and early about it. You want to
5: have cheese tastings all the time. You know. Well, the way what, I got what, it, what powers you, man? You're amazing. What, what I, thank you. What, what I got, what happened was this. I, um, I've always worked in the, um, in the, Cheese and charcuterie world as a part-time employment thing, and I um, yeah, it was always a place where you could make a little bit of extra money. And then when I came back, um, I got away from it. I, I started doing that in 1984. I got away from it for a few years in the late 90s, early part of um, right after the millennium. And I came back in 2003. And you know, initially when I was in cheese was just kind of it was the cool luxury item. It really wasn't anything super duper special. It was just, it was good cheese. Um, When I came back, it was more than good cheese. It was amazing cheese. You know, you could actually, it was cheese. You know, I even before when I was in the business, it was simply cheese had one note. And the cheese that we sold at the places I worked at had better note had a better one note than the cheese in the supermarket. When I came back in the business in 2003, I suddenly discovered there was cheese with a full narrative. There was a note at the beginning, a note in the middle, a note at the end. Wow. And calling this stuff strong and mild it was kind of like calling people black and white well there are black people there so are white people but you
0: know are, you needed to do Saxo-Bee more than a cheese monger what are some places that you like to get cheese in New well, York well I'm
5: completely totally biased because I work weekends at the Bedford Cheese Shop and um, I think it's the best cheese shop in uh, in the city The um, and that's
0: in Brooklyn and that's in Brooklyn
5: it's on Bedford at North 4th Street and Bedford Avenue uh, just happens to be sort sure, of just around the corner from DBA Brooklyn and um, but you know what unless unless we had a really really bad falling out I would probably still say that Bedford Cheese Shop is the best cheese shop in uh, the wow. city because it has an exceptional selection of handcrafted cheeses cheeses that are made in small batches and um from milk, that's pre- uh, from, milk from animals that are present on the farm hey, so Martin, there's a full com- full you know, control I mean, oh, on the part of the farmer I Yes, but, and I, a lot of folks like assume that like you know wine and
1: cheese is a tasting thing but We've been doing these beer and wine. Or, I'm sorry, beer and cheese pairings. Why does beer and cheese pair a
5: little better than wine? Well, beer and cheese pair better than. I mean, I don't blame people for assuming that wine and cheese are a natural pairing because France and Italy make France and Italy make the best wine. France and Italy make the best cheese. Yeah, I think they might go together. And but there's, there's it's a really good beer in France complex, too. And uh, and there's good beer in Italy, from what I'm told. But uh, the um, <laughs> but. Cheese and beer have a tendency to communicate at the same volume. I mean, I have I've had wines that you know speak very very subtly on your palate that you have to pay lots of attention. I'm sorry, you're gonna and, I to have say wines, and I have wines, and I have the you know, first whisper and, ever. And is Heritage
0: Radio Network going to
5: whispering loud? And I've had you know, and I've had wines that are just you know big bruising overpowering things and that's you know if the first thing you have to do is pair the intensity then you're so
0: right and guess what we're here with sam Merritt, our beer sessions radio beer sommelier let's do a quick run through of your favorite beer and cheese pairings okay pick a cheese and Sam will pick a beer. <laughs>
2: so just maybe, come on,
5: uh, a no pressure, boys. No pressure. P- whatsoever. Come on, pick a, pick a cheese.
0: Pick a cheese, and Sam will pick
5: a pairing Well, um, describe the cheese. Yeah, a I little. was going to say, would you like me to describe it? I <laughs> yes, get, please. I mean, <laughs> you know, people are always asking me to, you know, oh, well, what's your favorite cheese? And I tell them, oh, well, it's Sante Lucchini Gorgassa, and they're like, what? Yeah. You know, did you just step in, out of a? Oh, hospital movie? Okay.
0: But Okay, Martin, slow down. Okay, how about with a good Vermont cheddar?
2: I'm going to put the words
0: in your mouth, Sam. What would be a good pairing with a good Vermont cheddar?
2: Well, there's many di- different types of cheddar, right, Martin? So yeah, I was going
5: to say why don't we play? Why don't I? Why don't we use Vermont cheddar as the limiter on the okay. cheese? Yeah, yeah, and then okay. and so then I will say why not? Um, so our choice will be the Cabot cloth bound cheddar, which is a uh, which is a literally that cloth bound cheddar so it has a much more complex flavor it starts with a uh, slightly earthy note it's a little sweet in the middle and it finishes with a nice slightly horseradishy bite to it
2: okay here it is the Samuel Smith nut brown ale this beer is built for ch- English cheddar I think it's really uh, it's got a, some very sweet luscious notes that will counter that that uh you know that tanginess of a cheddar um and so, yeah, Nut brown ale. I think is the, is the one.
0: All right, and uh, something like a, a blue. Pick a blue that you like, and uh, we'll figure out. The well,
5: blue. here, um, while we've been talking, a um, several cheeses have wandered into our midst. Uh, <laughs> some awesome. of them, some of them, courtesy there's, of. Uh, there's a lot of cheese in here. another person here, and, uh, so we covered. And some of them, and some of them, th- some of them courtesy of the cheese plate that we've been uh, that our hosts have provided us with and the che- the blue that's on that plate is the shaker blue from um chatham old chatham new york and it's going to be lean slightly sweet and then earthy and peppery at the finish Should we have so it's the old
0: old chatham sheep Company. company uh, that the same it, one it is it's yep. it's chatham. the it is Upstate. it is that
5: company and it's um yeah, and it's their shaker blue I've right. seen
0: that in quite a few little gourmet shops. And there's a,
5: there's it's well-distributed, and it's not far away. So.
2: There's a nano brewery in Chatham, New York, called the Chatham Brewing Company, and I would pair that with it. And I would probably take their pale ale, because they've got one, and, and uh, it's a nice, zesty so, beer. Where did you Chatham. try
0: the, the, the Chatham brewery, uh, uh, the nano
2: brewery? At our friend Lee Seinfeld's, up at the dive bars, up, up uh, way uptown. The dive uh, bar? Yeah. yeah. They
1: have good cheese and beer? Well, they have beer. They're
2: you know? being ironic, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lee is ironic.
5: Lee
0: is
2: very <laughs> ironic. All right, guy. but uh, yeah. and one, what,
0: what, Martin, one more cheese, one yeah. more cheese
5: and beer pairing. Sure. What's my limiter? I don't know those how about, words,
2: how about but <laughs> like goat cheese or okay, a like goat, goat cheese. Sure, is that
0: what a
5: limiter is?
2: Yeah, wait, yeah, wait, just let's yeah, say, in the, other
5: words, you know, instead of, that, yeah. instead well, you of you just randomly cow, picking cow, something, goat, something out of milk. the three thousand yeah. cheeses I know of, let's you know, let's narrow it down to a category. So, no. okay, if uh, I were picking a goat cheese. Um, My favorite goat cheese of the moment is called Tom Dolce, and despite the European-sounding name, it's made in Petaluma, California, and it's uh, rubbed in plum preserves and plum brandy by a really fantastic cheesemaker out there. And it's firm, it's uh, lean, it's slightly sweet. Um, It has a little bit of the herbal notes that you get from a good firm goat's milk cheese. All right.
2: With that, I would absolutely insist on pairing it with Lagunitas IPA that's straight from the brewery, really, in Petaluma. Uh, it's got big fruity notes, it's got some mango, it's got tropical fruit, but also it's got a big hoppy bitter bite that will uh, counter counter that softness of the cheese and really, uh, you know, they'll both make a different flavor.
0: So those of you who are listening, we've been covering because out of the blue, our cheese plate from Roberta's appeared. Martin and Sam did a great job. They basically talked about our beer and cheese pairing without any cheese in front of them. And Jonathan, White, is it Jonathan White from Bobolink, just appeared with his own cheeses and beer. So let's just—we're going to take a short break. We're going to regroup. We're going to taste some of the cheeses. We'll come back and talk to you more about beer and cheese pairing on Beer Sessions Radio.
4: Announcement from Heritage Radio Network. Tune into the food scene Tuesdays at 3 p.m. on the Heritage Radio Network. Hosted by Michael Harlan Turkell, photo editor of Edible Brooklyn and Edible Manhattan magazines, he'll further explore the amalgamation of food and art by talking to artists from a multitude of media. Guests will range from photographers, food stylists, interior architects for restaurants, industrial designers, all the players that make you want to eat with your eyes. Get ready to feast your ears every Tuesday at 3 p.m. on the Heritage Radio Network.
0: All right. Michael Harlan Turkel, an awesome photographer, photo editor. He's he's also involved in so many cookbooks. It seems like every other cookbook right now is Michael Harlan Turkel as a photographer. He's got a great show on Tuesdays, Heritage Radio Network, called um, The Food Scene. Some neat people. My friend uh, Philip Kirshen Clark, a chef, was on last week. So it's a pretty good show. I can only say the Heritage Radio Network keeps growing. You know, every few months there's some new shows. And um, I'm, I'm really happy to be part of it. What do you think, Ray? Don't you love Heritage Radio Network? I'm
1: enjoying it more and more every week. I just look forward to it. It's like the highlight of my week, coming out here and doing this show and getting to meet all the we're people. We're
0: out here at Roberta's. We get, we're getting the a great cheese plate. We're going to finish it up with some pizza. And, uh, we uh, love you guys, too. Specialty. Thanks, Jack. Hey,
5: there he is. Uh, yeah. We <laughs> have our own producer. <laughs> the voice of God.
0: <laughs> well, we're covering now because guess what? Everyone's we're we're, we're here. What are we doing right now? We're eating some awesome cheese. This is a special bread.
1: Uh, this is a special occasion, Jimmy. Yeah, got, this is like, our. We got like a really spread of cheese and beer, like some of the best beers and the best cheeses on the planet, are like right in front of us right now. How do we? How, how do we get so lucky? Well, who, who is this guy that, that that's sitting next to you? Okay, this is a good friend of mine, Jonathan White, who has this little place called Bobbling Farms out in the wilds of uh, the west coast of New Jersey, and uh, we became friends. I don't know, tw- twelve years ago. Whatever. It, it, we had, we had a beer. Um, a beer epiphany, I guess. Um, I sold it, and he drank it. <laughs> and, uh, and he brings his cheese into DBA. Now he's bringing it into the uh, Brooklyn DBA on Friday afternoons, and we get to enjoy his company and his cheese. And you know, I've
0: been there. Friday afternoons, if yeah. you want to, you can sample, what, three or four different cheeses with Jonathan and drink beer. It's well, kind of the informal uh, happening.
6: Except that you have to listen to Jonathan. I go on and on and on. Actually, this Friday, I will not be there. Because this Friday, I'm going to be stuck on the farm. What can I say? Some guy wants to make a cake and bring it out to the farm, and and it's going to be on TV. Some guy, and he's like the cake boss. Jonathan,
0: I want to ask you about your cheeses, but I'm not because it's a beer show. That's okay. And I I, (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about the beer. Because beer and cheese pairing, I think it's complex. I mean, Martin, you had so much to say, and Sam. um, Do you guys want to taste a couple more cheeses and, and, and talk about that? And the process that goes into it and, and you know.
1: Well, I, what are the similarities between beer and cheese? I know that we Jonathan and I have talked about
6: this well, multiple they're, times. Well, they're both fermented. Mm-hmm. Um, one big, huge difference between them is beer starts with something relatively stable, which is uh, uh, barley, and um, can be made day after day after day with very little seasonal effect other than, you know, an open vat lambic or something. Where cheese starts with milk. Which is highly seasonal, especially if it's grass-fed milk. Then it's like instantaneously seasonal, and so beer goes from something stable and becomes something short-lived. Cheese starts as something extremely short-lived and ephemeral and becomes something uh, long-lived. So in a way, when beer and cheese meet, they're sort of they're two ballistic (laughs) objects sailing through their destinies, and when they cross, um, it's two terroirs, two moments in time and space. In the past. And I think that's one of the really um, interesting mystical things about it. Um, the good news is that I have a very simple rule. Good beer, good cheese, no bad hits. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> with wine, it's a little bit more complicated. There's, there's flavors in cheeses that will, if you pair them with a, uh, like a, a certain white wine, It'll taste like an off note in the white wine. There are very few misses with good beer and good cheese. You know, Budweiser and Velveeta, not so much. But if you're, if you're talking about good stuff... Um, and pretty much every cheese goes really good with Cezanne Dupont. Well, you know, Cezanne <laughs> Dupont is the ultimate perfect beer. And, I drank and, it the, and you know. the maker yeah. of Cezanne Dupont makes bread and cheese. Mm. and so Very good bread and very good mm. cheese, too. What are we, we eating right here? What,
1: what cheese is this, Jonathan?
6: I have no idea.
0: Oh. But doesn't doesn't that debunk everything we've been saying that you're saying is we'll put out some cheese and some beer? I don't know because I haven't been And we can listening. just figure that
2: out. <laughs> the root, the root, that Garrett taught me the root of beer and cheese is the grass because, you know, barley is a grass and wheat is a grass. And so, you know, it, it's just that grass has been passed through this animal that's, done other things and, and it's it not purely good like stuff on my legs yeah. and my shoes actually. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it scratches jonathan you know uh so it's not just grass but you know in omnivore's dilemma and everything michael Pollan talks about you know these farmers they're they're grass farmers and and um those those cows eat all kinds of other things besides the grass but it ends up in the product that you're eating at the same time and yeah it is a vortex of you know it's a crossing of paths
1: Especially yep. chives And the the, the onion grass mm-hmm. You can totally Taste that in the milk I remember when I was a little kid I started noticing The seasonal changes In milk When I was You know That I was drinking and My parents thought I was crazy But it was like No The milk tastes Different mom And then It wasn't until I met Jonathan And we were talking About this And I said You know How come, how come Milk tastes weird in the, in the autumn It's like Well because You're starting To eat hay And it Oh, you can't, see, the you can't see <laughs> Jimmy's waving. It's like I want cheese. John, I love like like beer and and just cheese. Bogarted the
2: I think.
3: Well, talk,
0: <laughs> talking about beer and cheese pairings, I mean, it's funny when when we first opened Jimmy's Number Forty Three. One of the first things that we did that really took off is was right after Ann Sacks, we opened Sacks Cheesemongers. Cheese Mongers, We started doing beer and cheese pairings, and they weren't so specific. But it was that we'd have a night where there'd be Ann would come in and put out a bunch of cheeses. And someone like Six Point, who is also kind of new, would put out a bunch of beers, and everyone had a good time. So it does make a lot of sense.
6: Yeah, well, yeah. Ray, well, this the, cheese. The, the cheese that we just cut and passed around, Yeah. it's a little wheel of Amram, and I, I'm, ah. I was lucky. I wasn't sure until I tasted it. This was made when the cows were grazing on wild garlic. Huh. Okay, okay. Right. Okay. And there, there's a little. It, there's not. They weren't. They weren't in the thick of it. So it's it's only a subtle note in there. But there's kind of an almost skunky, yeah, in the back almost of your white truffle-y yeah. kind of thing in there. That's what wild garlic becomes is after, um, not quite sixty days. Does it act sweet? It garlic. It, wild garlic is incredibly sweet. That's yeah. why the cows eat it. Yeah. It, so. um, it gives them energy. It actually worms them too. All the sulfides and everything. In it. But the skunk yeah. it, The cows come into the barn smelling like uh, a World Cup team. <laughs> and, hey, and, uh, they, and they take their jerseys off and they run around and hug each other yeah. and They pat <laughs> each other on the back yeah So
0: John, you brought us, a, you're part of a really cool scene So you're in New Jersey, which part of New
6: Jersey? Um, we're in Hunterdon County, Milford, New Jersey
0: And so it, is there like a, a microbrewery scene over there? There
6: is, um, and it's actually the first microbrewery in New Jersey in the modern age um, It's called the Ship Inn and p- friends of mine have accused me of purposely buying a farm near the ship inn. And it, it, it actually it wasn't that way, but it could have been. Um, Tim at the ship inn is doing very traditional British ales, but then he's also doing interesting local things with them. What I brought is his ESB, which he's been making for 25 years. Um, this is what he calls his killer bee ale. Um, we have neighbors, uh, Beatrix and Jean-Claude Tasso. They're beekeepers. Um, they produce some of the best honey I've ever tasted, and I'm happy to say their bees buzz around my cows. Wow. Um, and Tim is using their honey as a finish in the second fermentation, in the cast fermentation of the ESB. so that he ferments out the sugar, but you get the, the flowers, and there's actually a sting in there. That's why he called it extra Kelly Special Bee? There's a little a little zing in the end of it. Yeah, ESB. So
0: wh- where are ships? What town in New Jersey is it?
6: Yeah, the ship-in is in the village of Milford, New Jersey, which is on the west coast of New Jersey. But because New Jersey has a very narrow little wasp waste there, it's actually an hour and ten minutes from Manhattan. It's actually, we're we're the close-in west coast. I just love that Jersey, you know,
2: people are referring to it the west coast. And Hunterdon uh, Distributors is over there. That's a part of the El Knife people. They're a part of greatbrewers.com as well. Uh-huh.
6: Does Hunterdon distribute this or do um, they do their own? The only distribution they have is Jonathan filling a, uh, a growler and bringing it out. It's, so it's, it's, it's a microbrewery and you could go there and get a growler. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And that's about it. This but if you stop at Bobbling Dairy first, you get a coupon. And then the growler costs the same as a six pack of Bud. Oh, nice. Which means there's no reason ever to drink Bud,
2: <laughs> ever. This tastes like a beer that someone's been brewing for 25 years mm. and really got it right. Yeah. And it goes great with your yeah. cheese. Sam,
0: what, what do you like about this? This is really cool. We've we well, a new a, brewery you know, in either. New Jersey that I've never heard
2: of. Have, have, have new to you.
0: Ray, have you ever heard of it? Oh, yeah. Sh- oh, yeah. oh, yeah. oh I've been there much oh, time. yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what's it like? A- what's it like? I mean,
1: it's, it's this it's beautiful a- brewery restaurant right on the, on the Delaware River on the west coast of New Jersey. Um, they're brewing very, very English-style ales. You can go there. I haven't been there in a while, but last time I was there, they had a lot of like English style fish and chips and uh, black pudding and that kind of stuff. Yeah, the
6: food is it's English traditional, but it's actually very untraditional because it's actually really good, <laughs> which is a big break with tradition. But they're doing they're doing English uh, food, English pub food, really well, and they're using local beef and local lamb. It's not my beef because I don't have enough. <laughs> they get the beef from my neighbor Harry. And they get the lamb from Harry, too. And I think they get, they're getting their pork from somebody else. I'm Sam, hungry now. I'm what do you, really I mean, hungry.
0: Too, I'm starving. But I, Sam, what do you think of this beer from the Ships Inn?
2: Well, I mean, as an ESB, it's dead on. You know, I mean, and from the you know BJCP perspective, it's dead on for style. So, you know, it's a great example of style. Definitely, you get the little residual of honey, but not the sweetness. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. honey there. Uh, you know, it's going to come on the front, but it, it's a beautiful beer.
0: Would you pair Martin Martin's here? Uh, yeah. Martin is 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 Martin it deserves like 17 shows because he knows 3000 cheeses and I know you do. Martin. But tell us what beer would what cheese would you pair with this beer? We'll go well, to you. Well, the
5: um Beers that have a sweet finish are really, really cheese-friendly because a lot of cheeses have a slightly salty finish, so that makes for a really, really good kind of uh, blend on the palate, and it lets the other flavors stand out and makes the pairing kind of become greater than the sum of their whole. I was trying to stall for time and think of a a really (laughs) good cheese that would uh, work well with this, and my thinking would be if we want to stay with really interesting local sort of cheeses, there's a cheese called Frere Fumont. It's made in Sushan, New York. And um, the cheese maker, Karen Weinberg, is awesome. She's at the Union Square Green Market on Wednesdays and, and Saturdays. And it's a smoked Cheese that's really good. Ninety-nine percent of the time that ninety-nine point nine percent of the time that you see smoked cheese, it sucks. It's awful. It's a waste It means they poured <laughs> liquid smoke. That's a good one. And so into the she, curds, so that to hide the fact that the cheese has no flavor. Yeah. But, um, you know, and Karen actually pushed her, her fair fumant on me several times when I visited her table, and I was kind of like, oh, no, I just ate, I'm sorry. And then finally, one time I tasted it, I was like, oh, this has got a lot of subtlety and nuance, there's a lot of gentle herbal tones, and then there's just like this hint of smoke at the finish, and I think that would go really nicely against the uh, honey finish. Great in this. choice,
0: great choice. And Jonathan, um, we're going to ask, a, we have a couple things to talk about before we to finish up, but okay. When, when, and where are you in New York City? Where can people buy your cheese?
6: I'm at Union Square, or Bobolink is at Union Square every Friday without fail, uh, in all kinds of crazy weather. Um, er, we're also at Lincoln Center on Thursdays and Saturdays at the uh, the farmers market at Broadway and 66th Street. That's my wife Nina's market. That's how she gets to ballet class. She, uh, you know, that gets her into the city to steps for ballet class. Um, we're also open at the farm every day but Tuesday. And um, uh, I think coming to the farm is, there's a better selection of cheese. It's near the Ship Inn. It's a beautiful drive. And the most important thing is you can come out and see the cows. We have tours on Saturdays and Sundays at 11. You usually need to reserve in advance on our website, uh, which is cowsoutside.com. And um, you can uh, see the oven, our wood-fired hearth oven where we bake all the breads. You can actually see the oven and monitor the real-time temperatures and live video at oven.cowsoutside.com. But it, <laughs> it, it, it's really nothing like being there and coming and, and really seeing what it's all about and, and seeing the cows. And, and more importantly, seeing the calves drinking milk from the cows, which you won't really see too many other places. We're raising our cows the way they existed before humans got involved, except there's fewer they have predators. They very, very old
2: cows compared to everyone else there. They get cataracts because they're, they're right. treated so well.
6: Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, our cows live long enough to go blind. Um, we have a 19-year-old who just gave birth. Oh.
0: It's, a, yeah. it's wow. definitely the yeah. connection between craft and beer and craft and other food products. And uh, we hope to explore that more. Here's a quick question. We've got our panel of experts here today, Ray Dieter and Sam Merritt. An email question from Jenny M. in Manhattan. Thank you, Jenny, for emailing us. Okay. What are some good dark beers for the summer? Ray
1: Dieter. You know what? i got to say Cigar City Maduro. Mm. Oh, my God. What a Amen. great beer. Yeah. yeah.
2: Really a great, a great dark beer. What do you think, Sam? Kostritzer Schwarzbier, beer. Nice. Ice cold. Ice cold. Those black lagers are amazing. And if you shut your eyes... It yeah. tastes almost like my one of my favorite beers, Schlanker La Hellas. Oh, you know? yeah. um, Jonathan. You, know. you sound like you have one
0: in mind. Um, Anything from the ship's in any dark beer for someone?
6: You know, I never really liked dark beer. In fact, I basically, I mean, porter has been something. Every time Ray said, "Oh, you got to try this porter," it's like that's okay. Um, <laughs> Tim at the ship. Oh, Tim offered Tim, Tim. me. Well, yeah, sorry, Ray. <laughs> you got to make your own beer to get you know to be really cool. No, he uh, he said, "Oh, here, try my porter." I was like, "Nah, please, no porter." He goes, no, "No, no, try it." And having tasted it right from the cask. It was awesome, and he filled me a growler of it, and I brought it home, and about a week later, I remembered the growler, and I tasted it, and I remembered why I don't like porter. (laughs) Porter's really good when it's well handled, but it seems to die on the vine. Um, So I've I've opened my mind. Next time I'm at DBA and you offer me to try a porter... Uh, I'll try it. But, you know, the, I, think it, I think it's Can one I, of those beers. Maybe I won't open it anymore. The, uh, maybe okay, one open more beer more. for summer,
0: dark beer for summer. A lot, uh, basically, a lot of good dark beers, a lot of stouts that aren't too strong with a nice roasty, bitter, you know, finish are perfect in summer and very refreshing. I like something like a, a Belgian stout, Troubadour Obscura. That's that's one that that's a great
5: I, I found to be good. Or a but nice you
0: know, dark lager. Dark lager like a Schwarz, Schwarz beer is really good. So, would, would Martin, I, anything you like in uh, summer, dark beers?
5: I drink the same dark beers in the summer that I drink in the winter. I have no problem with the idea that so what the weather is warm.
0: So a, a name of a beer? How about the Schlenkerle Doppelbach? Mm. All right. Beautiful.
1: I, I got to jump, jump in on this one with, with Guinness. The Guinness Export um, is like the best beer in the world with oysters. The It's only available in bottles.
2: The Extra Export... What's it called, Sam? Four and
7: extra.
2: Well, there's Four and Extra the, the Stout, four and, extra. and then there's Extra Stout. The one that's like Seven and a half percent. So the foreign extra. Yeah, yeah.
1: And that is like the summertime beer to drink with oysters,
2: raw oysters, nice and cold, it's, um, ice cold. Yeah,
1: exactly right. Yeah. Like drink it
2: like, yeah, bud cold. Drink it, yeah, put it's like putting uh, almost putting ice cubes in your cabinet, which you're not supposed to do. You're Not supposed to do it. But,
1: but this
0: is amazing. Yeah. This,
2: that's an amazing pairing. I think yeah. it's
0: beautiful. Wow, ice cubes in your cabernet. I love yeah, that. well that's this is a beer show, Jimmy. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, whatever. Cool. What do you do? Cabernet's so, J- cabernet. J-M. Good dark beers for summer. There's a few right there. We're going to just uh, give a shout out to our Good Beer Seal bar events, goodbeerseal.com. Guess what's coming up? July Good Beer Month is right around the corner, and next Tuesday at Barcade in Brooklyn, celebrate the Good Beer Seal awards. There there will be several new good beer bars in New York City that will receive this award. It's a great party all around for press industry and listeners like you. So come by Barcade next Tuesday, June 14th, 7 o'clock to 10. You'll meet a lot of really cool people, including Ray Dieter, Jimmy Carboni, and Dave Broderick. All right. And on that note, thank you so much to everybody. This has been a really cool event. Martin Johnson, Sam Merritt. Jonathan White, and Ray Dieter. I'm Jimmy Carboni, and thanks to our producers, Jack Insley and Brie O'Connor. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio.
2: I like to drink beer. Well done. Right. This little song is more to the point. Roll out
0: the barrel and lend me your ears. I like
4: beer. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.
0: When we're out on the town And I'm wearing
7: a This is behind-the-scenes food news with Katie Kiefer. Uh, our near-neighbors and trading partners, Mexico and Canada, filed a suit recently with the World Trade Organization protesting the implementation of COOL, or country-of-origin labeling. I, for one, have kind of appreciated COOL, because it tells me where my seafood comes from, and I don't always want to eat shrimp from Thailand. But In the uh, World Trade Organization panel, they issued a preliminary ruling on the case that Canada and Mexico filed against the U.S., stating that the mandatory cool requirements do not meet the United States' stated objective that the labeling law informs and helps U.S. consumers make purchasing decisions regarding the origin of their meat, produce, and other products covered by the labeling law. COOL started out as a voluntary labeling program in the Farm Security and Rural Investment Act of 2002, which was the farm bill then. It had specified that COOL would include pork, beef, lamb, fish, perishable agricultural products, and peanuts, and that it would become a mandatory requirement by September 30th, 2004. It actually was not implemented until 2009. I'm sure you've noticed, uh, especially on your fish counter. However, opposition was mounted by numerous agricultural groups, including the National Cattlemen's Beef Association and the National Pork Producers Council as well as from packers, processors, and retailers. Cool opponents argued that the program costs would far outweigh the benefits, which were not well determined, and that the marketplace and consumers should drive the need for such programs. Also, the consensus was that the effort driving Cool smacked of protectionism. Well, I can understand how they'd feel that way. Um, because we buy so much uh, young cattle from Mexico and Canada, and then it ends up being finished and processed here in the United States. And of course, we buy it very cheap from those countries, and then we can market up here. So the packers, uh, processors, etc, make much more money than than they would on cattle that they buy from the U.S. So um, anyway, long term, if the WTO ruling stands, the United States will have to dissolve mandatory cool or risk trade retaliations from Mexico and Canada, both of whom are major U.S. trading partners. So it's something to ponder. This has been Behind the Scenes Food News with Katie Keeper.
4: Did you know we have a show entirely about cheese? Take a listen.
7: Well I know this is a it's horrible to do visual things on the radio, but if you were all sitting in the studio you would see this wheel from from late May is quite pale in color it's yeah. a um, it's a little bit yeah like a milkier um, uh, sort of a very soft yellow and then the the wheel from late June is quite golden and intense looking it's a really deep deep yellow um, what causes that that difference Well
6: I'm quite
2: sure it's the grass it's the keratin in the grass and um, that's giving it that yellow color not fat um but definitely coming from from the pasture um our animals are fed hay through the winter now we we don't use fermented feed because that won't work with
4: our cheese mm-hmm. but um so they're essentially grass-fed year-round with grain stuff. if you like what you hear cutting the curd airs every monday at four thirty p.m on heritage radio network Make sure to subscribe to the podcast or check it out in our archives.